What's up, guys? This is Coach Jimmy with Tech Talk. Today, I have my boy Trevor. What's up, guys? Wyatt Montgomery. What's going on? And this is Calum Kalista. Is that how you say your name? Kalista. Kalista. Mm -hmm. like a hell cut. One time I'll pronounce it right, and then one time I'll pronounce it wrong because I was never sure. Yeah. So, I, so can you say it again for everybody? Calum Callista. Callista. Yeah. With a name like that, I'm used to people butchering it. It's, uh, it's normal. Gotcha. Yeah, it's one of those things of, like, when you was coming to do a seminar, you was promoting your sneaky, the first sneaky submission, submissions DVD or uh, re download from uh, it's BJJ Fanatics. BJJ Fanatics, yeah. You're, you have another one that's coming out soon. Yep, just Nogi, released. right? Nogi. Yeah, it was just released uh, September 15th. It's uh, Nogi Sneaky Submissions. It transitions into uh, Nogi Jiu-Jitsu and also MMA as well. Heck yeah. yeah. We'll uh, share a link to that on our, on our uh, Facebook page and stuff like that when we share the link to this and when we upload this to YouTube. There'll be a link to that BJJ Fanatics underneath this if you guys want to check that out. So, yes. um, yeah. Today we had our uh, Strange Matter Invitational here at Tech. What would you guys think about that? That was fire. It was a blast. I like what you're doing with the, like getting the kids out there. I think it's really good, you know, to get them understanding of competing, you know, something to, to positive, you know what I mean, for it. I really like it. It was good. Think about it. It was it was crazy to see how the kids reacted to the matches itself. Like it, it didn't seem like none of them was like too nervous or anything. And like they all attacked. It looked just like a you know real jujitsu. Like really good. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm actually surprised at how well acclimated the kids are to competing. Does that make sense? That I like, dude. None of them was like. Like, I see adults, they're just like, oh, my God. They're just, like, yeah. amped up and worried. All of our kids is like, no, I'm going to go out here and try to kill this person. If I lose, oh, well. Some of them was upset when they lost. But, man, when it – at the end of the day, they all had fun. They all sure. learned. And, like, they everybody went home safe and healthy. So, Well, why do you think that is as far as, like, the mindset between the kids and the adults? Like, why is the adults always so in their head? Is it because, like, we have more responsibility? We have, like, more – on us, weirdly. Yeah, it is, it is weird, but I think that uh, I think adults tend to look at all the risk, and the kids they're thinking about, hey, I'm trying to compete. They're not thinking about the risk. They don't understand the risk. I didn't realize until I was like in my 25, 30, like close to my 30s, that uh, I could get hurt. Like I went out there and kickbox, and in my mind, I just had to win. Like. I'm going to kill this person, and the referee has to save them, right? And then I started doing MMA. Never thought about, like, oh, you could get injured. But then I got hurt. And when I got when I hurt my back and then I had to have uh, back surgery in 2013, 2012, uh, I started thinking about that stuff and, like, how my body is. And now if I get the slightest little hurting or the twin, I let it heal. I don't, I don't feel the same, and I think mm -hmm. kids have not felt that wake-up call yet. But, man, it was so cool to, to watch them. They're worried and nervous, but they were like, no, let's go. It was so cool to me. Anyway, um, it was, it, we had some good matches. Um, some people that was watching the YouTube video don't understand EBI rules. You can tell that. Because when I announced one of the, the winners, 
that was like, oh man, that's a horrible call. Like, wait a minute, I didn't call it. Yeah, one was by what six seconds? Six dude, seconds, that crazy. dude. That was good. That was a good match. I was proud of that match. Yeah. And um, I was actually gonna ask you guys. We gave submission of the day to the day. No, oh, submission of the day was Davion, but match of the day it was Lily and Raven. It went to Lily and Raven. I was thinking about that six second match. Why didn't it like be up for? Well, I think I think everybody was in in that moment. You know, time like. The girls, you know how much like heart was shown. How I mean, like that was, you don't you don't get to see that too often. And just the fact that it was two eleven, twelve year old girls performing that way that they did perform, and like just everybody was just called into it. It was just a really really good match. Yeah, I think for the first time too, uh, we've ne I've never seen something where coaches got along so agreeing on a uh, uh, outcome like that. You know, for the match of the night, for me. Uh, just the heart, man. Like you said, right there with the uh, with the girls. I mean, man, that that, that one girl, boy, she was just. Uh, I, I forgot what she, what her name was, but her just durability. I mean, that triangle she was caught in the first match, and just like, I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, I would have tapped probably thirty seconds ago, you know. And she just held on. Then she's in an arm bar and just. And then was that really? No, that was Raven. That 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 mm -hmm. was uh, well. It was was it was uh, Lily and arm bar, but. But he was describing with Raven. In her they first they had her in the, the triangle. Oh yeah, and it was yeah. so he had an angle and everything, and it was she was just I don't know, dude. Dude, it was, it, was, it to me watching watching that play. I'm a, I was refing right, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you all this. I ref matches. We do we do like sixty matches every Friday here. Like our kids, we do live rounds, and the difference is is that every Friday. We have three classes, small, medium, and large. There's no weights. There's no age. There's no ranks. Mm -hmm. We do that every single Friday, and we run them as brackets until the end, and we usually run 60 kids through in, like, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, I've never experienced being a ref with my guys in, a, like, a, a real tournament. It was so hard for oh, me. Yeah. Not to say anything when some of the kids that I've been training are like in this position, and I'm like, dude, just just pull your elbow in, you're good. Sure. Like it was that was one of the hardest things for me, and I knew coming into this, not being biased and not being like when it comes to my guys, like doing that, I was like, this is probably gonna be different. But I was like, nah, it's fine, I got it. Sure. But then I was in the position, and I was the referee. So I'm supposed to be unbiased as, as I possibly can be. And I'm looking at my kid and I'm going, dude, or, or like, hey, get your elbows in, moves, relax, breathe. I'm wanting to tell my kid to breathe so bad. And then I'm looking at my other coaches that coach here like, <laughs> tell them to fucking breathe. Yeah. But it was beautiful the way that it, uh, it turned out. I think I, I think I held it together and, and kept it as fair as it possibly could. Sure. Everybody agreed on the matches. I was stoked that it just come together and everybody agreed so quick at the end of that match. Um, so, Caleb, wh where's your school located? It's in Hinesville, Georgia. Hinesville, Georgia. Mm -hmm. and you, you have your own school. And, yep. Um, do you have any other coaches there? Or? My son coaches the kids' class. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I think it's a good. 
I always used to say, like, I really started learning jujitsu when I started back coaching. You know what I mean? It made me really get in touch back with things that I forgot, you know, things that maybe I don't use so much because, like, I, it made my game a little advanced. I'll be doing single leg X, this and that, but then I'll go to the kids' classes and I'm teaching bump over sweeps, scissor sweeps. And it makes me understand things a lot of times that, like, I didn't even know that I did. You know, little details yeah. that I don't understand, but I'm able to, you know, re relearn it again. So he's getting to experience that now. And it's really took his jujitsu from here to just a completely different level, you know, and I'm really proud of it. I mean, he was, uh, uh, out of, out of the, he's actually, he, he's not my biological son. He's my adopted son, uh, by my brother, but I've had him since he took his first steps with me, you know, so he's my son, but of his three siblings, he was always the one that we thought would be the trouble one. The one that just, won't find his niche, but man, jujitsu is his niche. It really kind of got him out of a bad place and he's done good with it. I'm really happy. The kids all look up to him. I mean, that, that, that kid, that, uh, uh, Malachi, that one right there, that's one of his students, you know? So Dude, he, he had some pretty clean jujitsu today. I yeah. was very impressed with you guys. That's what we were talking about is on coachable kids, man. He's, he's a coachable kid. Like literally I can sit here and say, do this, 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 and he does it, you know, Dude. it's. It was it was awesome just watching watching you guys at school and like how y'all was talking to him and what he was telling him to do. Hey, calm down and like all that. I think that one of the things that we're gonna do in the future is we got these road mics. They're they're called wireless go mics, and um, that's what the ref is wearing. Sure. I got this uh thing that will connect up here. I think I'm gonna mock up the refs. I'm not the refs, but the uh, coaches. the coaches, so that the audience. Because it's kind of quiet other than the person commentating. Sure. So they can hear what you guys are calling for and what you're telling mm -hmm. them to do. And just give it another little bit of, like, make it different from all the stuff that all mm -hmm. the other people are doing. And, uh, you know, maybe some of the other kids can go back and watch it. I know my kids watch it a lot. Yeah. They'll go back and watch it, go back and watch it, and then... If they could hear what the other coaches saying, maybe pick up those tidbits and notes. Sure, and, and see stuff. where they made mistakes or what they should have done. It's funny. We did that uh, uh, an MMA event in the Dominican, and their first time doing it, they mic'd up the the coaches. And when I'm coaching an MMA and a kids' jiu-jitsu event, is a big difference. <laughs> so after the next event, they made a rule that that if your if your coach is saying curse words and stuff, you're going to get penalized. That's how foul my, my my mouth was during this <laughs> thing. It's like oh, it was it was terrible. <laughs> That's awesome. But back to the coaching thing, uh, my jiu-jitsu skyrocketed when I started coaching. Yeah. Because I'm doing these little movements that I never realized I was doing. And then when I was trying to teach somebody, I'm like, no, no, you just sit in, you just sit in. And they're like, it's not working. So I had to, like, redo the move. And then I'm like, oh, I'm applying a little pressure to get them to drive in or whatever. Those little small details, it really does, like – make you have to think about it in a different way. Sure. And when I started doing that, man, my game and my, like my whole mentality changed. I dove deep. I do that. I get tunnel vision. And like all this stuff sitting on this table, I do not know why I'm this way. I cannot half-ass anything. I have to like get to a point to where I'm top tier or I'm hanging in there with the other guys like at that level. And that's what, uh, that's what coaching done for me. It's like I wanted to be the best coach on the planet, so I started just diving in deep and, and doing stuff. And I see that with Wyatt. Wyatt, you run uh, Force MMA? Yep. 
In Douglas, Georgia. Yep. Yeah. How's that going for you? Oh, that's going really well. Um, COVID, you know, took some of that away. Um, hit a rough edge, but we're we're, we're collecting, rebuilding, so it's getting back good. Dude, uh, that's one thing that I'll say is like I coach you, uh, like running a business and stuff like that. I've been trying to build a brand to teach people to build kids programs the right way for bullyproof and to make it grow. Retention is 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 huge because uh, right now. Kids get the first little bit discouraged, they want to quit. Yep. And I, I don't know if it's the generation or if parents don't understand, like, man, this is hard. This is one of the hardest things a kid will ever do in their life, but it is the best thing that they could possibly do for also, them. So, too, you got a lot of parents think, every parent thinks their kid is the next uh, Bushesha. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's hard to, you know, like, another big thing, too, is, is being able to separate the parents from coaching, you know what I mean, and keeping – their nose out of it, I guess, and just trusting the the coach to do his job. That's what I always say is you pay me your money to coach your kid. Let me do my job. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's another big thing is the the parents being inside the kid's head so much. Yes. When when we're enforcing a certain concept, principle, motto, whatever it is, and then the kid go home and hear something else or, oh, don't listen to that damn coach. You don't know what he's talking about. Oh, listen to that. that. Like, I have never that's had hard, that. Uh, that's hard to deal with. I've never had that problem. I've never had someone say, oh, I don't listen to that coach. But I have had parents come in here mad at their kid. Just stand up. What? You're not even trying. You're just laying there. Just stand up. And it's like, hold on. Yeah. Come here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Lay down. Yeah. Now you stand up. Well, I think that's more of a, like, a, like a human nature type thing. Mine, my situation, I'm dealing with more, you know, like cultural issues the whole scott harper thing that used to be there and, and stuff like that um now it's like it used to be a heavy mma town and and a lot of people think they know what bjj is or, or even people who don't know what bjj is they they, they think they have this mindset of yeah yeah everybody there thinks they know it but dude i cannot tell you when i opened here in eastman i got two two things about that first when i opened here in eastman Everybody is like, I want to do that wrestling that they do up there like it was WWE. And and then the other people called it karate. Yeah. And, like, the town is so country. When I first opened, it was like, oh, I hit him with his country boy right hand and knock him out. And, like, to overcome that mentality in this town and build what we had, man, it was hard. It was nice today. Like, you see, there's the, I've I seen families out there that you'd see a sweep happen, and they're cheering. You know what I mean? Like these people are understanding jujitsu. They're understanding, you know, that, that, that instead of just that, that typical like UFC type mentality, they see a good sweep and they're cheering. You know what I mean? That's, that's nice. You see a jujitsu, people are getting a good understanding of it. Well, yeah. I, I think as, as time has went on for versus like now versus like you know, 2005 where everybody wore the tap out t-shirts and all that. <laughs> I think like the inside crowd of like the fighters and stuff, we've transitioned as far as like technique to this to that. I think the outside life, like the people who, who who's not in there, they haven't like made trans that, transferred well, over like we have. That was the second part of mine. Um, Douglas was hard for me. Oh my gosh, dude! When I say Douglas was hard for me, I when I first before I opened the school here, I was training in uh, Tifton. I was training in Valdosta, right? I trained in Douglas too, but everybody don't they don't want to train? They don't want to train. They don't want to train. They don't want to train. All of a sudden, 
uh, Scott and them are putting on a, a fight, and now everybody wants to get on a card and fight. So now all these guys that haven't trained all year long are going to come in and do six weeks of training to jump on a card and fight, and they're letting them do it. So then they get to fight in a cage in front of 5,000 people, and then they get to tell people they're fighters. Yep. Yeah. And that was a problem because then when I opened the gym, I started coaching down there. People would come in and say, I'm a fighter. I'm an MMA fighter. And then, like, one of my guys that's only been training for, like, maybe a month or two that's actually training not to fight but training to train would just submit them over and over and over and, like, wrestle fuck them and just submit them. And, and then they wouldn't come back to train anymore. It would, it would say, oh, man. Like, they would get a different look other than just showing up and doing some sparring, hard sparring, and then going home. Like, the, the real training of it. And those guys would never show up and train. But then when they show up to train and they get mollywop, then all of a sudden they, they want to leave. And now you got, to, you got to hear them running their mouth about your school or, or like all that. It was crazy for me. And I, I have a feeling that's what you're you're gonna be dealing with. You're gonna have guys that are on this card that they they're fixing to do one. Yeah. They haven't done one in like five years. But they're fixing to do one there. You're gonna have people that have never trained a day in their life start training. They're gonna train for six weeks. They're either gonna win or lose their fight, depending on how well they get matched. And then they're gonna show up at your gym and then they're gonna have that attitude of I'm just here to hurt people. Instead of I'm here to train yep. and you're going to have to deal with that. And then they're either, you're either going to do one or two things. You're going to take that hard headed mentality and make them a believer and win them over so that they start training the legit right way. Or you're going to make, they're going to get their ego hurt and they're going to leave. And then then they're, they're, you're not ever going to see them again yep. until there's another fight. Yeah. That's some, uh, I'm funny you bring that up, like about ego and jujitsu. It's, it really kills so many people in jiu-jitsu from being able to be great and it's hard for me to understand that because actually i've like done like a little bit of, of a philosophy by thought on ego in that is okay if you look at most really great jiu-jitsu guys they're nerds you know what i mean so my, my background on that okay look a guy that let's say you've been an athlete your whole life you've accomplished basketball football good sports you come in here and you try jiu-jitsu and some 14 year old kid takes your back chokes you out in like a minute you yeah. know what i'm saying you have an ego it bothers you you're not used to losing you're always used to being on top but these guys that really exhale in jiu-jitsu a lot of times are guys that have never had an ego because they've never won nothing you know they've always been they've been bullied they've been pushed around you know yep. they've had this this adversity some of my best students some of the best people that i've met in this sport are people who've come from adversity because you understand adversity that's what jiu-jitsu teaches you i'm being smashed by a 200 pound guy right now this really sucks you know what i mean but if if you're sitting there thinking ego, oh my God, everybody's looking around. Everybody sees me getting smashed by this guy. I'm not supposed to, that's not supposed to be happening. You don't have an ego. Okay. I know a way to get out of here. Okay. This is normal life. This is, you know what I mean? I deal with this kind of stuff every day. I find a way to get out and I'm going to overcome. Yeah, dude. I, it's so funny that you're talking about that. Cause we have guys that are like football stars, uh -huh. uh, went to college with scholarships. Um, 
We got a guy here. His name's Zach. He's really, really technical guy. He just got his blue belt. Shout out to Zach Carey. I'm proud of him, right? He started with two other guys that were college football players, mm -hmm. like high-level college football players. And they come in and they did good. Like they I were, was still here about that time. Yeah, you was here. Yeah, you were still training here. Yep. And they come in and it's, it's so crazy to me that Zach's the one that made it. And he's still training. And then I started realizing a pattern. Um, and it's like you said, the ones that all everything comes easy to them, when they experience loss, it hits them different. That loss hits them different than somebody that's already experienced it. And keeping those people motivated and like, no, no, it's hard. You, I realize like you're an athlete and you pick stuff up like throwing balls and hitting stuff and like that, you pick it up pretty well. This is not that. Like this, you're like maybe you can rely on your athleticism a little bit, but unless you buckle down and start doing some research and get a little nerdy about it, you're, these guys are going to continue to beat you. Yep. You're going to experience that loss. It's the athletic guy that's never lost that I have the hardest time keeping in the gym. Yeah. Sure. It, it's hard to keep those guys. I see so much potential in people like uh, Mitch Tanner. Mm -hmm. Dude, Mitch – Mitch would have been a world beater. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch. But he could not get past uh, – this is from me as a coach. My mind, he couldn't get past how hard it had gotten to, to keep winning, to do sure. it. So he, he chose other things. But he could have been a world beater. Uh, like, but in his, like, oh, life got to me, I got other stuff. That's not – to me, I don't think that's what happened. I'm not dogging him. Sure. It's because it, he's got a different life. Like, he's skateboarding and stuff now. But I truly believe that dude could have done anything in the world that he wanted to do. Yeah. That's how athletic and talented he was. And he didn't stay. He didn't stick. Mm -hmm. Zach showed up. Those guys beat the shit out of Zach every day. Now, there were some good matches between them. It was some back and forth. But usually, Zach, I guarantee you, Zach left here with headaches yeah. several times uh, doing MMA. And then he's the one that stuck, dude. Oh, yeah. And he's here, and now he's... He's coaching on Saturdays. He's doing the morning classes. Like he's one of our guys. Mm -hmm. Where do y'all fit in that? Were you, were you the athlete? Were you the were you the nerd coming in on the mat? Where were y'all at? Do I look athletic to you, sir? At all? Listen, I wasn't gonna. I was. I wasn't gonna take shots on you on air. But I'll go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just messing <laughs> with you. No, no. I know your story. I mean, obviously we've talked. So let's kind of get know my man right here a little bit more. I'm. Uh a weird person in the sense that I, that I've suffered a lot of adversity in my life. Both my parents passed away when I was 14 years old. So I've been on my own since I was 14, but, um, athletic wise, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. Um, I've always been a very athletic person. I've kind of been good at, at everything I did a lot, nothing I was ever great at. You know, I was always good. You know, I, I, I floated on I to, to a basketball scholarship. I wasn't the best guy on the team. You know what I mean? I shot up in height in high or uh, early in high school, and then kind of stuck. Everybody else jumped up to to six foot eight, six foot nine. I stayed at six foot two. You know, well, what I thought I mean? you were six twelve. You're a lot taller than me. <laughs> I can't get to six but foot. <laughs> I love adver I love adversity. You know, so the first jujitsu class I took, uh, 12, 13 year old kid run around my back, choked me out. 
You know what I mean? And immediately I said to myself, I love this. I got to learn how to do you it. Know I, mean? I have to learn how to do this. And I grew up on the, on the UFC one, UFC twos and stuff where I seen this little skinny hoist Gracie just demolishing everybody. You know what I mean? And I took Taekwondo for 10 years. I boxed, you know, I, I, and, and, and like I say, it's just, I thought to myself, okay, if I box that big 300 pound guy, I'm not going to win. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be able to withstand my stuff. And, but the, the things that this guy was doing, I loved it. You know what I mean? And it just, it, it, it drew my attention a lot. How hard was it for you to find a place to train? Impossible. I mean, when we go back to when I was coming up, like, like, you know, we've got the, the guys who all have schools now, like me, Brent, uh, Michael Sergi, um, Justin Flood moved down to Florida, but these were like, like Garth Spindiff's original guys right here. And, um, when I say me be me adding to that equation, I was an outsider because of the sense I traveled and went to everybody's gym. You ask anybody around here, I've trained at their gym. Probably. That's how it was. Because if somebody would say like, like if Wyatt would say to me, man, have you trained with uh, Brent Coleman over here or something like that, man, he's really good. The next day I'm wanting to go over there. I'm wanting to find that adversity, that person who's going to kick my ass. You know what right. I'm saying? And so I, I would go, I drive an hour and a half and train in Savannah, like two, three days a week. And then I go an hour and a half and train. I think he was in Hazelhurst at the time, Brent, and yep. train with him. And it was just, uh, I mean, there's plenty of days. That's how we met. Yeah. As you went to Brent's and then Brent and them, Brent's and them said, hey, uh, Jimmy's is right over there because some of his guys cross train with us yeah. here. And then um, we have guys from Stevens cross train here, but that was my life. Yeah. When I say uh, I lived in Eastman when I was, uh, I was from 12 to 17, I lived in Eastman, Georgia. I was riding around finding people that was doing MMA. I say MMA loosely because that's what I wanted to do is uh, switch from kickboxing to MMA. And then uh, a guy in 2004, 2005 opened a gym here. His name was Bobby Friend. And um, he trained like a group of people and actually in this building that I'm in now. And then he moved to another building. But I stayed with him way longer than I should have. But I traveled, dude. I trained with uh, Speedy, Cameron Neville. Uh, uh, then it was Team Reality, Crunk MMA. Like I traveled everywhere then i was traveling from uh, douglas to making it. it's two hours two hours and 15 minutes one way wow. and i was going there three days a week doing private lessons with bobby uh, in the mornings and then staying for class stopping by there on my way home from work when i was working training with them that's what's funny people don't realize how good it is now you can go pretty much an hour and a half in any direction around here and find a black belt I mean, yeah. when we were coming up, there just wasn't. Dude, I was traveling. Uh, I was traveling to train with blue belts in Macon. Yeah, like I was. I was literally driving an hour and thirty minutes to train with a blue belt in Tifton. Mm -hmm. I was like a blue belt, and and then I was like, this dude was blowing my mind with stuff that he was showing me. Sure. It's like, oh my god, that's amazing. And then now. You got like every other town you got jujitsu. Yeah. And it's it's just unreal. Like that's why I ask you how hard was it to train? Yeah. I know how hard it was for me to find yeah. legit people to train. Yeah, I was with. training five almost five years before I ever saw a brown belt. You know what I mean? It was like I seen a un unicorn. Yeah. You know, when I when I saw a brown belt, I was like, Oh wow, he's a brown belt, you know? The first purple belt I ever trained with was Stephen Aiken. Really? Yep. 
very first purple belt. He had moved down here from California and was training at Team Reality. And he was the very first purple belt that I had ever seen in my whole life. And then uh, through hanging out with them, I met Hernato Tavares. Uh, a lot of those guys went to some of their seminars and things like that. Uh, then then I met uh, Dennis Davison, Wade Rome, uh, that side of it. Then I met sure. Frank Mullis. Uh, Frank Mullis was one of the first black belts that I had ever, like, sat down on a mat with. I've met other black belts at tournaments and stuff, like MMA tournaments, but I had never sat down on a mat with a black belt, and I was just sitting next to Frank like, I'm Jimmy. Hey. And then uh, I trained with Paul Creighton and all them. Like, I, I just traveled. And the very first thing, and this is, I hope, I hope Paul, uh, I hope Paul uh, listens to this. The very first thing I ever learned from uh, Paul Creighton was how to throw an elbow from Mount. <laughs> like, that's the first, like, that's what I'm learning today is yeah. how to throw elbows from Mount, push on the head, like where the palm is, the elbow goes. I'll never forget it. But I was just sitting there like, hey, I'm training with Paul Creighton. Yeah. And then uh, he's teaching me how to throw elbows. And I'm like, well, I, can't, I can't use this yet. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a professional fighter yet. My first class ever was uh, heel hooks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, yeah. He, he come in with was, uh, Tony Q. Tony Q. And we were doing heel hooks. His very, very first class was In the gi. Hey, <laughs> let's, let's, go ahead and, let's go ahead and tell that. In the gi. Heel hooks in the gi. Tony Q, all day. <laughs> yeah, man. That's nice that, introduction. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, dude, I, I forgot about that until you just said it. Like, him yeah. coming here. You know yeah. he killed himself, right? Yeah, yeah. You know the story? Oh. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he drove in his uh, ex-wife's ah, yeah. yard and... Ended it. Yep. That's crazy. And that, that was what... He drove a wedge between Frank and I. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with me. I was never upset with anybody. Like, um, Some understand them. There's just so much politics. I fucking hate it. I hate it. It's ridiculous. Speaking of, what's, what's, what, was the, what was the deal with Tenant Planet? Man, it goes back a long time ago. So I, I, I was supposed to have a match in the Dominican with Nathan Orchard. They were going to fly Nathan Orchard out, and me and him were going to have a match. And something come up on his end that he couldn't take the match. Uh, so... Anyway, it, it got into this big thing back and forth. And everybody knows 10th Planet guys are the best trolls on the internet. The absolute best. If you start if you start a fight with any of them, they will send an army of trolls after you. You know what I mean? So I, I happily claim to be 10th Planet because yes. I think I'm the best troll on earth. So I felt I had a good system that I, that I could beat Nathan Orchard. I felt that, that I'm, I'm good at leg lock defense and things like that. And I was a little bit outspoken about it. And naturally, like I say, the 10th planet army come after me in full force in that sense about, about what I thought. And uh, it goes back. I was supposed to have a match with Chase Hanna uh, a while back. I think maybe he was a blue belt at the time and maybe I was a brown belt. And uh, there was a few other names that were mentioned, but, um, anyway, we were supposed to have the match, me and chase, something happened on my end where we couldn't have the match. So then needless to say, all the trash talking come out, me pulling out me, this blah, blah, blah. So I told chase, I said, man, I said, look, I'm sorry. I mean, chase is a super nice guy. 
off of like on one-on-one talking. You know what I mean? We, we agreed that I would pay and I would fly him to the Dominican. We would have our match, you know, cause we agreed on it, everything. Winner gets the video footage, like old school Gracie type stuff. You know what I mean? Something happened on Chase's end. He had problems getting his passport. Wasn't able to come. No problem. Me and him talked about it. We were cool. We'll meet at another time. Great. Actually, I thought everything was squashed. Well, then some other thing popped up again, and uh, people started bringing that up. Oh, Caitlin was supposed to fight Chase, blah, 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 you know. And Chase was a gentleman. He never got in and said anything. You know, I kept my mouth shut about it. And then this that Josh Yelverton had jumped in to the equation. And uh, he wanted to match with me, which I wasn't interested at all because I want to say at the time he was a blue belt and I might have been a black belt. Like, what right. am I going to get out of that? You know what I'm saying? It's a lose-lose situation for me. So I had offered up. I said, I'll tell you what, if you can beat my son, I'll take a match with you. Okay. My oldest son, in my opinion, one of the best grapplers I've ever rolled with on the mats training has a hard time putting it together when it comes to competing. He's like 25, I think now. So we, for me, I call those gym warriors because I've trained a lot of MMA fighters. They, they, they're unbeatable inside Mm -hmm. the gym. But then when it comes time to competition, it's like they, their mind changes. Sure. They, the, the pressure. He'll um, get it eventually. You know, it, it just took time for him coming into his place. But when he does get it, he'll be unstoppable. The kid is just phenomenal. Really good. So did he beat? Uh, Lost in under a minute, I want to say. He got heel hooked. Like literally everything we worked on went right out the door. You know what I mean? So, and then again, Josh and him shook hands. Everything was good. Me and Josh were good. And then when this match happened with Mikey Musumeki, who I know Mikey Musumeki on a personal level, I know um, his training partners have come to the Dominican to train with me and stuff. And they're some of the most respectful people in the room. Mikey, if you guys don't know Mikey Musumeki, he is, I mean, like, he, this kid you just can't hate. He's the sweetest, like, adorable kid he's like a, a vance you know what i mean yeah. but he's the greatest american jiu-jitsu guy um in a gi ever you know what i mean he's won more uh, world championships than any other american so he had his match against uh geo. geo and um there was some some words exchanged you know geo wouldn't shake his hand and all that kind of stuff so i just um uh, I had made a, made a comment saying like how dis- disrespectful that was. Somebody put it on a thread. Well, what do you expect from like dyed hair, blah, blah, blah type things. And I thought it was a funny comment. I said, I agree hundred percent. Well, it unleashed the army on me again. You know what I mean? Bringing back all of the old stuff and everything. And I started getting all these messages from people again, who I thought I was okay with. Cause I've got a lot of friends that are 10th planet that, that I think are really good grapplers, you know? And uh, that that's what kind of brought up the thing with me and Steven and stuff, which I, I, I think that me and him squashed that, you know, when I went to the, to the thing. Cause again, look, man, South classic, yeah, that, that mid South classic, I've got opinions. You know what I'm saying? You've got opinions. Why it's got opinions. You know what I mean? We can't hate people for their opinions. You know, some people yeah. think that certain things don't work. Some people think they do. And like, like I've always said, if, if I was to face Somebody that has a system that I don't think will work for mine and they beat me, I'll shake their hand and tell them, great job. Yeah, I got you. So uh, <clears throat> from my point of view, mm-hmm. when uh, it's like the geo and stuff, that's, that was competition. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like um, the Steven comment, again, so like, say what you're trying to say. Whatever. I'll say this. I don't know Gio or Richie that well. Mm-hmm. But I know Steven 
really well. Mm -hmm. I've trained with Stephen. Stephen actually changed my life. Mm -hmm. I would not be sitting here in this chair without Stephen because, like I said, I trained at a place that I should not have trained at for a really long time, sure. just getting beat up. When I met Stephen, he was a purple belt. He's actually a blue belt. He, was, he's not, he wasn't even a purple belt. The first time I met Stephen, he was a blue belt. Mm -hmm. Then he was a purple belt. But when he was a purple belt and I spoke to him, he set me down like we are in a room right here. And he said, you have, you've got to stop being the big fish in a little pond. Huh? He said, you have to go somewhere else and train. That's when I started traveling and training. And I listened to what he said. And he, he, he legitimately changed my life. Uh -huh. So if Stephen was to make a comment to someone and said, uh, oh, you know, like, oh, we can be friends after or whatever, whatever it was that Geo, they claimed Geo said. And then somebody got on there and said, typical 10th planet person, or they trashed Steven. I would be like, no, like, that's, y'all are misjudging my boy. Like, I would be ready to, I would be ready to die on my shield for Steven. And from my understanding, Geo and Richie changed Steven's life the way that Steven has changed mine. Mm -hmm. So that's why he is ready to die on that shield because he's here. He, he, he lives right up the road. And there's people bad-mouthing Gio. And Gio has been nothing but nice to me. Sure. Gio spent, we went to a seminar. It was a Richie, Gio, a Brandon McCatherine, and Nathan Orchard. Mm -hmm. And Gio spent time with me. He's, a, he's like the 145-pound king right now. And he spent time with me, talked to me, told me some stuff that I needed to do to protect my neck and, and things like that. And he just... It's just he just spent that time with me after the seminar because because of Steven. Sure. So I don't think that they're unleashing their 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 tenth planet army in that that sense. Because but, because I think that it's deeper than that. Because hmm. think about how close you are to the people that you've shed blood with that you train mm -hmm. with on your mat regularly. Most of the tenth planet people are that way with one another. Uh, St since Steven's been here. They've had, he's had six seminars from people from San Diego. Oh, yeah. I wish that I was having people come to my school that was that deep. They just protect each other that way. So, my, for some my understanding of it or whatever, it'd be like somebody's trash in vans. Well, that's, like, kind of what, that's kind of what I go on with that, though, is you got to understand, like, nobody knows what happened on that map but Gio and Mikey. Nobody yeah. knows what was said between them two. So my opinion is irrelevant, and Steven's opinion is irrelevant, because only those two know what was said. Mikey's a, a person that I look up to, a person that, like I say, I've trained around his entire squad, you know, and I, I hold him at the highest respect for American jiu-jitsu. You know what yeah. I mean? Making a movement for that. And... Um, the things that, that who coined that, that term? I didn't mean to cut you off. Maybe uh, uh, Jake Shields. I want to say because he's got a tattoo. I just say that because he's got a tattoo here, American Jiu Jitsu. You Dude, know? that's so cool. But um, so in that sense, like like I say, it's the same. If I was to say something bad about Stephen, you would jump to his defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you were to say something bad about somebody, I would jump to their defense. Yeah. So. That's all it was. You know what I mean? That's all it was. But people got to understand people have opinions. Dude, how, many, how many of these people do you see that are fighting in the UFC? And then you see all these guys that are, well, some bitch, if I was in there, I'd, I'd beat the shit out of I'd have just master. stood up. You know? Like <laughs> I say, none of us know what was said in there. I said an opinion, and I wasn't even the one that said the thing about the crazy 10th planet things. I laughed at it and thought it was funny. But I caught all the heat because this, I remember. You said I agree. Yes. But I remember we can rewind back what started all this was when you mentioned that guy's name, that Brandon McCann. Afrin. So I was in Alabama when I was a purple belt. 
he had a gym there. We were both purple belts at the same time. I, me and my oldest son came in there and we trained with him, smashed him. 110%. If he's standing right in front of me, I'll tell you, I smashed him. Okay. So when all this argument of the 10th planet thing started, that Brandon jumped on there on me and said, Hey, if you got a problem with 10th planet guys, come on down to my gym. And I said, wait a minute, Brandon, you forget. I was at your gym, me and my son. I smashed you. My son gave you a hell of a time when he was 13. So when I started that, I didn't realize Brandon's like the, the guy everybody loves in 10th planet. So like I say, boom, the army unleashed on me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, me, like I said, look, in my opinion, and, and, and you can quote me on this on the record, Quentin Rosenwig or however you say his name there in Savannah, 10th planet guy, in my opinion is top three. I mean, best no gi grapplers. This guy is amazing. You know, his, his leg lock game, planet 10th planet guy. Yep. 10th planet Savannah. I think the dude is super high level. There's a lot of guys in the 10th planet system that I think are super high level. I'm not just this. I've been labeled this guy that just hates. I think you're amazing. You know what I mean? You're 10th planet. But I've been labeled as a guy that just hates 10th planet, but I'm an outspoken person. Why it'll tell you that, like in the sense that uh, I gave this speech to him before is people surround themselves with yes men. Like I'll always tell you, you know, like, Hey man, you're, you're doing this good. You're doing this good. You're doing this good. I believe you need to surround yourself with people who will speak the truth. Honest. You yeah. know, honesty is what's going to get you far in life. That's my chase my, route in a man. My instructor has always been on it brutally honest with me. You know what I'm saying? So I may come off a lot of times as arrogant. I may come off a lot of times as a prick or that I don't like certain things, but I speak my mind. I can't help but say it. You know what I'm saying? I have and, that same problem, dude. You know, so I'm, you'll never hear me like, like keep my mouth shut about something that, that, that I feel like I say, because, and it gets me in trouble. Like I say, I mean, I'm trying to calm down now that, I mean, having a gym in the Dominican and having one in the States is a big difference because nothing affects your gym in the Dominican, you can do whatever, you know what I'm saying? But here in the States, I'm not wanting to get involved in so much politics as before. And I would much rather like not have beef with anybody, but it's like, uh, I don't know if it, it follows you. If you speak your mind, man, you know? So I get it. When I opened my school the first year, uh, um, I did a Christmas party mm -hmm. and I invited every gym, from every place that I'd ever trained. And it's funny how over time, the people that attend have like pulled away or pulled off because of who we are around or who, what, yeah. you know, like for a little while there, we had that problem with Tony Q. Uh, Tony Q did some devil shit, like just trashy ass shit. And um, hey, I, he's, he's passed away. I hate to, to trash his name or whatever, but. He did some dirty shit and like it caused uh, me to kind of split from, uh, I was under Henzo Gracie. Like mm -hmm. I was under Frank, who was under Matt Sarah, who was under Henzo. And that was my lineage. Sure. And uh, then, I, then some stuff happened and we went under American Top Team. And then Steven moved back and Steven was my original coach. So I, I literally started, I just thought, you know what, this is where I belong. And um, I started out doing no gi for MMA. I did gi for about 10 years, 9, 10 years. And then I, I just switched back straight to no gi when Steven moved back and decided to go 10th Planet. Um, and like I said, it's making my game better. I'm learning. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying jujitsu again for the first time. 
in a long time. When I get over these health issues, guys, you guys are going to see me mm-hmm. some more. But, uh, yeah, dude, I just wanted to ask you about that, kind of hear your well, side of it. I didn't want to put you on the spot. That's why I asked but at I the beginning. You, I'm, I told you I don't mind. I'll say <laughs> anything, you know. But even that's a lot, like I, I, I messaged Stephen after that, and I said, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I apologize on anything on my side if I said anything to offend you. You know what I mean? Because I, I honestly think what he's doing for jiu-jitsu with his um, uh, PGL stuff, I think is amazing. I think he's doing a lot of great things for the sport and the area. You know what I mean? And I, I actually like like kind of look up to the guy in the sense of what he's doing. I think he's doing some really good positive things. So it bothered me that I offended him that much. So I reached out and you can ask him. I apologize to him. You know what I mean? Same thing. Brian Brown uh, messaged me. Right away, you know, is it Brian Brown the one that yeah, has Brian. Ten Planet? Yeah, Jack Jackson, but yeah, dude, I love like that. Like right dude. away on that stuff, and I think that dude's great. You know what I mean? Like I honestly like me and him. We've met at tournaments. We shook hands. Everything was good, and also I was like really shocked when he come at me like with all of that hate and stuff. Hey. But like I told him, I said, look, if I said something, it's my opinion, man. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you can't hate a guy for their opinion. Some people don't like orange shirts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but me, I happen to think you're a handsome guy in that shirt. You hey, know what I'm saying? Why it may think different, but you know, hey. It's pretty ugly to me. That's <laughs> so, not what you said last night. <laughs> you just can't hate a guy for their opinion. You know, everybody's going to have them. They're like assholes. You know what I mean? But uh, I guess I think, I mean, dude, look, 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 speaking of Brian Brown, look at that school down there. Dude, he's killing it. Dude, I'm going to tell you, uh, I have, uh, before I even become a moonhead or like was 10th planet mm-hmm. or any of that stuff, I had went What exactly Brian. is a moonhead? I never, it's the first time I heard that. Uh, so like the gyms, they all have their own moon, the 10th planet. Really? If you look at their that. logos, all of their, their moons, whatever. It's pretty but cool. like before I started training with 10th planet and like, uh, go, like going over there, I went to Brian's. And he welcomed me and just like helped me with. It was the first look I really got at leg locks because leg locks were the devil. Sure, uh, we did uh, the the very first look I ever had at leg locks was Chase Rowden had gotten some old footage with Dean Lister, and then Dean Lister like put a put all us on that and was like, we thought we were doing something wrong. <laughs> like, hey, we can't tell coach. Like, we're we're grabbing people's legs, and then. Uh, I went to Brian's and he had just, like, he had just opened it, that the location over there, and man, he he sat down like we are. He talked to me, shook my hand. I didn't have a rash guard when I got there. My father-in-law had cut his toes off in a wreck, and we, they had life-lighted him over there. He had like 29 surgeries, and I was just sitting there in the hospital all day just waiting to find out whether he was going to survive or not. And I was friends with James and some of the other guys. And he was like, hey, come over here. I went over there. They gave me a rash guard, gave me a pair of shorts. Uh, he was like, dude, come over here. I'll come unlock the door, whatever you need. And he's just a good guy. Yeah. And like, uh, now I'm going to do a seminar over there soon. Uh, Eddie Bravo is doing a seminar over there soon. Oh, yeah. Like, those guys that got so that's why I couldn't understand how you had a problem with these guys because none of them, Brandon. I met Brandon in 2016, and like none of these guys have ever like been rude to me, talk shit about me, mm-hmm. or nothing. They've all like open arms, just welcome. I which even like with the Frank stuff, like I never even had a problem with Frank. Like Frank never had a problem with me. I had a problem with Tony Q one time. But the the problem was Tony Q. Sure. 
I didn't even realize how big of a piece of shit Tony Q was until everything come out. And I, it's not my place to talk about that, so I'm not going to talk about yeah. that in the air. But I will say this. Um, everything come full circle, and I, I stay away from politics. Yeah. I don't care who trains with who, where, where you train, who you're going to fight against, who you're going to compete against. At the end of the day, it's that competitor against that competitor. There is no secret move. You know, I'm not going to teach you something that somebody else can use against you or whatever. There's no secret moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is, then I somebody, if you got a secret move, like teach it to me. There's a couple on the sneaky submissions. <laughs> Volume two available on BJJ Fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my thing, man. Is like I, I just want I want everybody to learn jujitsu and like have fun that's and it, man. Me and, too. I'm exactly the same way. Hey, on a good note, <clears throat> I don't know why we haven't brought this up, but look at my man. Look how sharp he looks. That's it. Look going, at this. Dude, bro, he's got the red pants with the red. Ju- it's a red jumpsuit. Going with for the, that the, that Russian mafia look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought that's what he was going for. Or when I yeah. saw him walk in, I'm like, Nailed I've seen guy. people look like that on the Russian mafia <laughs> yeah. pictures. Dude, I seen on uh, uh, I seen a meme, and it was like, when I pass away, I just want a bunch of Italian guys to like walk up to my casket, leave a cell phone in there, and be like, we're gonna miss you, boss, and walk away. And no one <laughs> in my family knows who it is. Yeah. I thought it was funny. It's good. It's hilarious. Just a bunch of guys in jumpsuits come up, leave a gun in my casket, and then <laughs> like just dip. Don't say nothing. That'll be great. That's awesome. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you like airing that out. And, yeah, no, and, I never have a problem with. Like I said, and all those guys are tell you, man. I, I, me and Chase squashed our stuff. Me and Josh squashed our stuff. It's what it is. It's the other people that are in the group that will bring it up and stir it and try to get it to go in and to create it into a long feed of stuff. You know what I mean? I think, uh, especially after seeing Chase compete at that uh, tournament that you competed at, man. That dude's a monster. He's good. You know what I mean? Uh, Josh as well. I think there's a lot of really good guys in that system. Talking about, uh, we're talking about Brian Brown right there. When my kids were in Jacksonville, they, they called me and asked me, where, uh, where do you think I should train while I'm here? They were doing a tournament. I said, go to Brian's because they were doing a nogi tournament. I said, you'll learn some great stuff. He welcomed them with arm, open arms. So like I say, it's one of those kind of things when people jump on the threads, they want to get it going, you know, so they start throwing a lot of gasoline on the fire, but I mean, like I say, I, I, just like you said there, I'm, if people are learning jujitsu, I like them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if, if you're trying to spread the art, I, I'm all for it. Dude, you know? Sean's guys killed it at the Mid-South Classic. Sean's a beast, man. Chase and all them, like, uh, Chase, he'll, he, I think his total time in the Mid-South Classic was like a minute yeah. five. His, his all coaching, three opponents. His coaching of his guys in that was really precise. Really, really good. Like, I, I became a fan watching him coach because his guys, he was basically, you know, like I try to do a lot of that, you know, right arm, right knee, push here, blah, blah, blah. And it was all very technical. Everything he did, his guys followed, listened good, and it was really good. How do you stop that? What, what, what style? Who, who stops that? What stops that? What stops what? What they have going on over there. Some really good stuff. Oh, you just kill them. Inside position. That's one thing that they're good at. And I've said that uh, a bunch of times. If you watch them, if you watch them compete, they're dominant at, at securing inside position. It take like I like take Chase's game for for example. Always dominates inside position. If he do, if he cannot dominate inside position, he can't attack the legs. You know, that's that's 100% proven fact. If you cannot dominate in, inside position, it's super difficult to attack the legs. And he is one of the best I've seen in the 10th planet system of getting inside position. 
That's you know, cool. I, and, I I think tap out Tommy would just tell him to stand up. <laughs> just stand up, bro. Mm-hmm. Just, just, hey, dude, just stand up. One thing I like about their game too, as well, uh, that whole you know Sean uh, of Sean's crew right there is they make people fight out of their elements. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, they make, like, like like you being a wrestler right there, you didn't wrestle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They brought you. They he he would stand up with you and you wouldn't wrestle him. You know, they brought you out of your comfort element into their zone. And they're really good at doing that. You know what I mean? And that's the whole thing is if, you know, there's not, I mean, in my opinion, around this area, there's not many people that are going to beat you in a wrestling match. There's not many people that are going to stand with you and be able to deal with your aggression, your, your constant forward pressure. But when they get that inside position and, and, and able to get you in there, they take you out of your game. And they're really good at that. So, like, hats off to them. I agree. I, I really enjoy the way he coaches and stuff. I try to be that nice, calm, cool, collective coach. Mm-hmm. But, like, by the third time I say something and my guy just isn't listening to me, I'm like, hey, yeah. I said, move your damn leg. Mm-hmm. Like, I, got, I start getting frustrated. And then I, I have to tell myself, you're not playing a video game. Maybe he's feeling something that I can't yeah. see. So It's I a good to, way to like, look at it. I've never had it, or looked at it that way. I just think, you know, it's like uh, if you don't, we were talking about this um, before the podcast about if, like, like my instructor said this to me a long time and it made a lot of sense, man. If you come to me and you say, Caleb, can you teach me to drive? And I say, sure. But then every time we're going down the road, you keep reaching and grabbing the wheel. How, how can I teach you to drive? You have to trust your coach. And, and if you don't trust me, go somewhere else. Right. It's that simple. You know what I mean? You have to trust your coach 110%. If you come to me and you say, I want you to make me a champion. Okay. Stop grabbing the wheel. You know what I mean? Makes a lot of sense. Well, speaking of growing the sport, um, I know that we've got some good going on the weekends on Sundays traditionally. Yes. We took a break because of COVID, that. but uh, um, about the third week there, it started to get really packed, really good. I, I want to – like, it's part of our gyms. Like, it goes your gym, his gym, my Well, gym. we're just trying to get everybody, everybody from the southeast just mm-hmm. to come together. I don't care who you are, 10th Planet, American Top Team, Cleese. I don't care what you are. We just want people in a room and people just – we get after it. We learn. Dude, it's just a really good time, and we try to balance. I think that that's a good thing to do as far as uh, just growing the sport. Mm-hmm. But also, if we can get all the gyms involved like that, the, we all have kids programs. The and, impact that it would make, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. it would make huge noise. I'm going to tell you all this, and I haven't said this out loud. I wrote it down. I write down my goals every morning. Uh Wyatt stayed with me up here for a little while. He'll, he'll test that. But uh, one of the things that I wrote down is, you know, they have West Coast Jiu-Jitsu. They have East Coast Jiu-Jitsu. There is no Mid-South. There is no yeah. – Oh, yeah. There is no – like, there is no team yeah. that is just dominating or that anybody's talking about in the middle. Well, the only thing – I that- want to – I want us to start dominating, and I think that this explosion that we're having right now – then the teams, like, if we can all get together and come together, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think so too, dude. I think our, our, our potential is there. I mean, uh, I have a, a such a different style like my body type than what he would do. But, you know, just the teaching points and everything, everybody getting together. I, I think the biggest thing right now is everybody's pride. Nobody wants to Absolutely. wants to do there that. Nobody wants to become that factor. Why? Yeah. Why not? Well, you got, I think you've got coaches too that don't want to say, okay, this guy got beat by this team or this, you know, this happened. It's the same thing. Everybody has to put their ego aside. If we want to grow a sport here in the Mid South, that's what it's going to take. 
Everybody has this good this good notion when it comes to trying to persuade BJJ to be a certain look as far to like new people like we're all we're all family we're all, we're all here we're all this but when you go and you and you try to bring that same principle to other gyms it's like that fails like where yeah. where's that go why, why what started that dude it's, we, we it's, try to start we try, we try to be so positive to the outside public hey we're family hey with this but to towards another gym we're like oh fuck that gym i'll say this, this and i know work. exactly what, i know exactly what happens all right uh and I, it needs to stop but I, I i know it because i've seen it over and over and over People don't understand uh, that it, that we're training. See, our culture, your culture is a lot like my culture. Yeah. Um, when I'm on that mat, I'm not trying to win ever. I'm never, I'm never gonna train with anybody on my mat and then go home and be like, "Yeah, man, I just murked that guy" or whatever. Usually, if I'm training, that person's probably gonna find a lot more success with me. Mm-hmm. They're gonna find, they're gonna find submissions. They're gonna find stuff because I am not trying to win training um every single time i roll i have a goal in mind i either have a goal for myself which is how i used to train or i have a goal for my student if it's someone i've never rolled with i'm not just gonna smash them and try to go all out on them i'm gonna let them come in i'm just gonna like go in and move and like let them let me see what they do because how am i supposed to coach this person if i don't see what they're trying to do if it's someone that's from an outside school, I roll with them first to see whether or not they're going to try to fucking hurt people. After that, if they're, if they're cool, I let them roll with everybody. And if they're going hard, like, hey, this guy goes a little hard, don't roll with him. Or, hey, the competitors, you guys keep him over here with you. It's that simple. The problem is, is that when you got guys that think that they're still trying to win, when they think that, oh, I'm coming over there, I'm just – I'm, my goal is to win and not get put in any bad positions. Then they're no longer training. They are going around to these schools to compete, to go back home and talk about how bad the, yeah. the other person did against them or whatever, or like, oh, I could smash their school. And then it starts that like, wait, wait a minute. We were training. Because I promise you, Jimmy Barnett, on a day when I'm, I'm trying to let the ref save your life, mm-hmm. or Jimmy Barnett, being in here, there's two different Jimmys. Sure. Competitive Jimmy's way different than Coach Jimmy. Coach Jimmy will let you choke him seven or eight times. Uh, Coach Jimmy's like trying to, to escape back. I'll let you take my back, and my job is to escape. If you finish, cool. We slap bump, we start over. I sure. don't care. But if, if it's competitive Jimmy, I'm not even going to try to let you get on my back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop that shit from happening early on. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about uh, about your students tapping you? I don't care. All go. of my, all, every student that I've had, all the way down to my five or six-year-olds have tapped me. There you go. That's one big thing. I think instructors that literally will not put themselves in bad positions and ever get tapped by their students. Here, here's my, my thing that I say all the time to my students. If you can't tap me, I'm a shitty coach. Because I'm not teaching you to beat white belts. I'm not teaching you to beat blue belts. I'm teaching you to beat black belts. I'm teaching you how to beat me. So, uh, not to put Wyatt out there, but I, when Wyatt started, he come in as a, as a bullheaded wrestler. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to, like, slam me on the mat and, like, just slam me on the mat, cut you loose. Sure. And slam me on the mat, try to cut you loose. And him and I trained together. And, man, I, maybe a week. Was it maybe a week? Every time we, try, we train together, I just kill. Yep. Kill, 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 kill. And then when he stopped doing that and he just he just looked at me and he goes what am i doing wrong i was like oh 
You ready? First off, I want you on your back. I don't want you wrestling anymore. I want you playing guard. I want you to stop sticking your head in the damn hole. Keep your head. You look to the sky. Even on your shots, hit them with your face, not your fucking top of your head. And we're going to go from there. I think I've maybe submitted him three times since then his whole life. After that. After he looked at me and said, I want you to be my coach. Maybe three times. And, it, and that's what changed is his willingness to learn from me. Absolutely. But after that kill, 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 he said, he come to me. And I could tell, like, he's defeated now. Now, now I have something that I can work with. How long did I make you work off your back? A long time, yeah. Like six months. Yeah. I wouldn't let him. If he wrestled and got to a top position, dude, what are you doing on top? Fall over. Yes. I'd, I'd make him fall over and give up position and fight out of it. And he's like, when do I get to, when do I get to grapple? I was like, you are grappling. This is grappling. This, this is grappling. And he's like, well, you know, I'm not trying to stay on top. You don't need to learn how to stay on top. You've been wrestling your whole life. You need to learn how to get up and get back to your wrestling positions from here. And uh, that's how I coach everybody, though. If I have somebody that's timid that don't get after it, I, like, push them. And, and I'm like, let's see some fire. Sure. Get timid, get after it. And then I let them find some success. If I see somebody that's very ego whatever, I, 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 or they start trying to snatch people around, I snatch them around and go, hey, this don't feel good. I coach everyone different because I feel like everybody needs something different. But at the end of the day, if somebody tells you that Coach Jimmy was just wrecking them over and over and over, I promise you, it, I promise you, and, and every one of my guys will attest to it, it's something you did. Because I'll, I'll come in here and you know, in one night, I'll maybe, I'll maybe get three taps all night long, maybe. And the rest of the time, I'm making people move. I'm putting them in positions. I'll grab something, and I'm like, ha-ha. And then, like, I'll let them know, like, you're in trouble. And then we fight out of these positions. Um, now, my competitors, I'll staple them and ride them out like a wet blanket and get really heavy, tie them up, and make them tired. My whole job, even in real life, I tell my guys, gain position, make them uncomfortable, while they're trying to scramble and move, gain, gain some more position, make them uncomfortable, gain position, make them uncomfortable, and then kill them. Because the more uncomfortable that you make them, the easier it is to get the kill. The more uncomfortable they are, the more they hold their breath, the more they hold their breath, the tired they get, the more tired they get, the easier they are to kill. And that's how we, that's how we talk about jiu-jitsu as a whole. Our job is to make them tired and then kill them. And that's a... One of the things that the way it was explained to me by one of our guys is like, when we roll, I want you to do all the work and I want, I just want to win. So I'm going to let you carry all my weight. I'm going to let you do all the work. And then when it's time for a winner to be announced, that's when I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill you and win, but you're going to do all the work. You're going to get really tired. I don't want to work hard. I just want to make you tired so that I can win. And that, that's my goal. And that's how we grapple. That was a long ass thing. How do you guys both, being uh, coaches, different differentiate a guy that comes in your gym that's just wanting to train, like just for training purposes, you know, lose weight, you know, whatever, and then another guy who wants to compete? How do you guys separate that between your first? classes? Well, <laughs> I've been battling that for myself. It's, that's lately, just because I'm a new, I'm a new coach and stuff like that. So I have to find. I, I think I have to find that within myself as well learning how to okay 100%. you're not a competitor right now you're, you're coach Watt. 
Okay. It's just, it's just, uh, but I found a, the easiest thing for me is just the way I talk to him. Um, I try to use certain phrases and certain terms to 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 someone like Twyla. Um, everything if I'm showing her like a half guard scape, everything will be brought to her by like, okay, this dude's trying to rape you or whatever the, the case may be. Versus if I was talking to Dixon, I'll be like, okay, man, hey, he he's already got three points. He smashed your guard, blah blah blah, this and that, and. And uh, so that that's that's pretty much my way. It's just whatever, like I'm, I'm what I'm saying to them is that it's how they're picking it up. You know, it's the gotcha. mindset. So for me, it's simple. Uh, if you come in and tell me you want to be a competitor, I say, hey, I'm gonna hold you to a different standard. I'm holding you to a different standard. If you come in and say, hey, I'm looking to get in shape, I'm looking to to gain knowledge, self defense, that stuff. If you miss a day, if you miss a, a couple of days or whatever, I'm gonna say, hey, man, you're all right, everything good. I'm going to treat you different. If you come in and say, I want to be a competitor, why are you missing class? I'm treating you differently. Another thing is the guys that are losing weight, the guys that are just trying to learn or whatever, when they're drilling and they're like, ah, oh, and they're like, oh, man, that's almost, and then they're sitting there, I don't go, hey, let's drill. Come on, let's go. Those guys, I'm, I'll look at them and I, I make sure that, one of the things that I do is I make sure that I don't have one of those guys matched with one of my competitors. And if one of those guys are matched with my competitors, I tell them, hey, make sure you do a good job. I tell the guy that's not a competitor, make, he's got a competition coming up. Make sure you do a good job of not letting him be a slouch. So then I make them part of the team and say, hey, he's got a competition coming up. Don't slack off. Make it Push him as hard as you can. Don't kill yourself, but push him as hard as you can. Let him get extra rep in, reps in because I got, a, I got a gym full of people that don't compete. I have a gym full of people that do not compete. But then I have some competitors that are going to be world beaters, and they're going to get after it. Why? I, I knew why it was going to be, be one of the, like, the man. I knew he was. And I, me and him talked about that several times. And what I would have him do at that time, we didn't have very many competitors. And what I would do is I'd make him, I'd say, pick the absolute worst position that you could possibly put yourself in and then fight to get out of that with these non-competitors. When someone gets tired and wants to take a break, I would make sure someone else was right there. And you have to break it up. You have to let these people know, like, hey, it's okay to, to have these goals. And you don't have to do what these other guys are doing. But I'm going to treat you differently. If you come in here and say, I want to be a competitor, I'm gonna hold you to the fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you do what you say you're gonna do. But if you're going to, hey man, I just kind of want to get in shape, go like, then that's that's on you. Then I'll say things like, hey man, you know, let's let's get some calories burning. You want to lose that weight? Let's get after it. But I'm not gonna be like, let's go. I'm I'm not gonna be, hey, what the fuck you doing sitting down, dude? Like let's go, fucking let's pass this guard. You know, like, I'm not going to be that. And Trevor attested that. He come in and he was like, I just want to, I don't know what I'm doing. And he sees the difference between the two. Yeah. But don't come in and tell me that you want to be a competitor. We have that a lot. I want to compete. And then they get, at, they, they get that one, two, three hard days. And then they realize like, oh, shit, this, I'm not built for this. And I feel like that's my job as a coach too, to build them to the competitor that they say they want to be. So I'm very clear with them too. Like, hey, I'm going to push you a little bit harder to get you to where you can maintain this. Like, I'm not just going to throw them in the, throw them 
all in and just have them destroyed. When they get tired that first day, say, hey, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You're going to be doing this for years and years and years. We're going to push you, but, we're, but we don't want to kill you or break you in one day because then you're not going to come back tomorrow. Sure. So that's my answer. It's well, long, but. Go, you go ahead, Farris. It's been question. a, a learning process for me as well because I've been a competitor my whole life. Never really wanted to teach. Never really wanted to have an academy, you know? And I've never had to be motivated. And now all of a sudden I have to motivate people, you know? I understand that. I never had somebody, a coach never had to call me and say, hey, Kalen, why aren't you at class? I was there every day. I'm talking, you know, my ear would look like the size of a baseball. You know, I'd drain it. Put, put something around it, go train it, blow back up again. You know, I train with broken fingers, torn meniscuses, everything, you know. So I have a competitor background. I've competed at the highest level of competition, and that's always been like my driving force with what I wanted my academy. I built my academy in the Dominican exactly like that. We had all competitors. You know, I paid no attention to people coming in that wanted to lose weight, that wanted to learn self-defense, any of that. Didn't have a kid's class, all competitors. We trade three, three, three times a, a day, um, just hard killer roles, you know, break our bodies down, and then we'd go compete in Pan Am's world, stuff like that, and we did good. Made zero money. Yep. Made competitors money. do not pay the bills. Yes. Literally financed every, every bit of that off of sponsorships and stuff like that, but made zero money, built a strong team, strongest team in the Dominican to this day. And we did some pretty successful outside of the Dominican as well. But like I said, zero money. So having a business in the States is completely different because like I say, like Wyatt just said there, it's a, about a learning process. I mean, me being a black belt, I'm still new to that aspect of having to turn myself down a little bit and, 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 and be aware of the students feel how the hell do you do that how do you have like a successful hey this is it this type gym but also be a world beater or a high class competitor so for me that's that was uh when i first opened i was balls to the wall headbutt everybody break bones let's train hard then after six months i was broke and i was still working a 40 hour <laughs> work week at another job and I didn't have a very big adult class. I had some kids that was barely keeping this place open. Then I was like, okay, I got to get softer. Then I got too soft. Then I had people in here crying because they stubbed their toe on the mat. Yep. And I, I just got too soft. Then finding the balance, that's why we started doing our competitions on Fridays for our kids. And that's why we have a competition kid class. So the kids that are serious about it, if they're serious about competing, they show up to that class and they put in that work. For our adults, we opened up our Drillers Makes Killers on Saturdays. And then we, we have one day a week that they are supposed to get after it. And then every night after our regular class, everybody stays and rolls and they roll at their own place. My competitors better be the last ones to leave. If you're going to compete, you better be rolling. You better be some of the last ones to leave. Or I'm not going to let you compete for me. And when I roll with my competitor, like, uh, like Jay, take Jay for instance. I always, we, so we roll the songs here. We do not set a timer because I don't want them to know when I'm going to say change partner. I break that habit. I don't want them looking at that damn clock ever. We don't have a timer. 
So when I say we roll to songs, but when I'm rolling with a competitor, I say when we change partners. I'll say change partners. Sometimes you'll roll with me for four songs, and I'm just stapling you to the mat, getting heavy, constantly on your head, constantly on your arm, constantly on your neck, driving on you, or I'm constantly making you have to fight to pass my guard or fight to do whatever. I'm choosing what we're doing. Your last match, uh, me and you rolled together. We was getting you ready. I kept putting you in knee shield. You told me like two or three days before, hey, I'm having trouble with knee shield. So what did I do? I constantly found a way to get you back to knee shield. I just, every time you do anything to me, even if I tap, whatever, I'd start over, I'd put you right back in knee shield. And that's, that's how you get your competitors ready. You, you make sure your competitors are getting what they need. And you also make sure that your competitors are part of your group so that they know, I don't want my competitors smashing Trevor. Trevor just started. I don't want Trevor to show up and just get fucking mollywop, like just choke, 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 choke. I can't have that because he's not going to come back. Trevor might would. But the, some of these guys, they're just not. Their ego can't take it. So I, I make sure up front, like I know who is about that life and who isn't. I also make sure very like that they're getting the work that they need. But part of getting the work that they need is understanding that your competitors need their body to heal. They need they need that drill time too. They need to slow the fuck down and drill the drill to a T so that it's perfect. Slow is steady, steady is smooth, smooth is fast. If they can come in and come in and compete and drill slow. And make it so smooth that when they hit it, there's no, there's no hiccups in the transition. There's no seams. If you can make it as seamless as possible for your infinity loop to start your loop, no seams, that means there's no chance of escape, right? There's no place that's like, I'm not tight here, or I'm not, I'm not giving them space here, or whatever. If you can get that, that loop started by taking away all the seams, once you enter into my loop, it doesn't matter what you do from that point forward. I know which ways you can go, and I know what I need to do to capitalize on those ways. And I'm teaching my competitors to recognize those loops and to start drilling those loops, like the Kamor Suite. I mean, the Kamor Flow Series, or you know, the the Triangle Series, or even my my Attacking the Head Series that I'm fixing to be going doing seminars all around with. Once I enter you into that series, and that starts standing. It is over for you. You can't. You can't stop it. I don't care how big you are. Once you enter it, now you can stop it if you don't enter into it. Like if you can hand fight and stop me from getting to my home base, then it's easy to stop. But once I enter, it's hard to get out. You can, but man, it's hard. And that's how we train our competitors, and we use the the lesser people to practice our flows. We use the other competitive people to earn our timing. And that's how I do it anyway. I'm not no world beater or nothing like that, but that's, that's the way we train here, you know? It's, uh, you, brought, you kind of brought up a good point there, but like where uh, the problem is, though, is out of, let's say, 100 students, you'll maybe have five competitors. You know what I mean? That's kind of average. Five guys that you know you can take to a tournament that might be really good. If you were doing it as a business, the majority you're going to make your money off of kids program and people who are just coming in here to lose weight, you know, and stuff like that. So I believe 
And what I've done that's been successful is I've designated a competition class. I have a time in the day that is my competition class. We have a noon class where, where we go after it, those guys that aren't working, you know. Then we have our five to six um, kids class, six to seven beginner class. Beginner class is where we'll bring in people. If competitors want to come to touch up on their basics and stuff, they're welcome to come. But that's mostly where I'm just building you a foundation to understand jiu-jitsu. Because you can't walk in the door and just say, this guy's not going to be a competitor. I've had bunches of people that have come in that I thought would never be a competitor. But with just understanding that little basic foundation that I gave them, realize like, wow, I can take this to this, to this, to this, and they start becoming a competitor. But we have to be able to single them out because of the sense that if we put them in there right away with the competitors teaching the competitors class, never they're overwhelmed, nope. you know, and you have to look at it like this, like, you just started jujitsu, right? Okay. I imagine when you walked in the first day, you looked around and you thought to yourself like, holy shit. You know what I'm saying? You were intimidated by the class. That's what I'm trying to avoid. You know what I mean? Because if you walked into my competitor's class, you'd walk right out the door. Right. Because you would see guys in there with cauliflower ears, muscle bound, sweat dripping off of them, just looking like they're going to rip your head off type person. And that's what we have to try to avoid if we want to make a business out of it. And if we want to grow the sport and make people like it, because maybe you're not a competitor now, but who's to say next year you're not right. Who's to say next year, you know what I mean? You're not a world beater. You know, we don't, we don't know where your path is going to go. Us as coaches, have to lead you that path. We can give, I can take you and say, here, this is what, what got me here. This is what got me here. Maybe it'll work for you, you know? And if you don't want to take that path, that's fine. We can still get you up where you're still a, a badass and, 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 and get all the goals that you want to have. So to make a long story short is we just have to facilitate everybody. You know what I'm saying? And that's up to us to create those programs to do it. Because like he just said right there, it would have been, you know, I imagine you love jujitsu now, but what a, what a terrible thing it would have been if you would have walked into Jimmy's competition class and you saw that and you're just like, oh, wow, I don't want this. You know what I'm saying? And you backed out of it. So that's why I think, like I say, we have to have that beginner class. We have to have that comfort zone that people feel comfortable when they walk in. They see another guy like them, another guy that just started that's, hungry to learn, you know what I mean? And build it that way. Yeah, I agree with all, I agree with all that. Um, I, I 1 million percent think that the competitors should be rolling with those guys too, though. Absolutely. I think that the competitors should learn how to help a new person mm -hmm. on the mat. And so if you got 60 people and five of them are competitors, I think those five competitors should be using the other 60 people to flow. I do not think they should be trying to kill the normal everyday thing, which comes down to our culture that we were talking about earlier. Well, I'll uh, tell you something, my, I, uh, not to cut you off, but, uh, but I make my competitors teach in my beginner class. I make them walk around and I make them tighten their fundamentals like up that. by teaching. You know, so if you're a blue belt in my class and you're at that beginner class and you do come to it, you're going to walk around, you're going to teach people, you're going to show like, okay, you're not doing a scissor sweep this right. And then they're going to get it in their head a little more too. I like, I like them partnering with the guys. And like, so like I, I would put Bam with Trevor mm -hmm. his first day and let Bam and him, like Bam's job is to help him get it. Or Jay's job is to help him get it. I like doing it that way simply because uh, 
at the end of the day, it helps them understand it more. But it also builds a bond between him and Bam. Absolutely. And when they build that bond, now you got a competitor with a non-competitor, and they like being drilling buddies. Mm -hmm. So when you got a competitor that's a drilling buddy with somebody that's a non-competitor, the competitor makes them a little bit more greedy each time. And the competitor learns a little bit more control each time because they don't want to hurt their non-competitor buddy. And where if you put two competitors together, their competitive nature, they want to one-up each other. And now you got a full-blown friggin' uh, herky-jerky, like, I'm going to do it faster and stronger than you did it. And then you, you're losing the finesse and the details, the small details in which actually makes jiu-jitsu work so well. But that's just my thought. Um, you started this question. Why, what was the purpose of, of asking the question? Like, you just would, are you struggling with that yourself? Or I, I, f I forgot the question, honestly. You asked, why, what do you do about the competitors? and uh, <laughs> oh, About being a coach and being like a world champion or whatever? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, without a doubt, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in, that, in that situation. I'm only, you know, 22, so it's like, I'm a coach. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm I'm trying to travel as much as possible. I, I try to go to every gym as much as possible. Um, it's gonna be hard for a little while. Too. Super hard. Super hard. Super hard. I was doing um, that shit. I don't understand now how I did it. <laughs> I've always, you know, I've always wanted to be a world champion. That's always been my goal. And I just, you know, we talked about. It. I never wanted to work a fucking nine to five. I mean, who wants to? So like, coaching provides that that air in my life to where I can do what I want and, and, and focus on my dreams and my goals. So, and, and then I just started loving, I, I just fell in love helping people when people, when, you know, they, they tell you, Oh, like I lost like 30 pounds. It was thanks credited to blah, blah, blah. This like, shit makes you feel good. You know, yeah. this person, he changed my life. He did this. I was raped this and that, and I was this, and, uh, and this person's helped me overcome I mean, it's just, that's a wonderful thing. And I, I think that's now that I have my own family and stuff like that, that internal feeling of, like, hearing stuff like that and just being, like, the, the success story of somebody else's life and stuff like that, I think that's what's really gotten to me here is that's late. Dude, I, I'll tell you, that's I've wanted to be a coach since I was little, and I had never really told anybody why I wanted to be a coach. I just always say, yeah, I had a thing on my, on my mom's refrigerator that said, when I grow up, I want to be a couch. Because I misspelled coach. But uh, it's still there. But I wanted to be a coach because I had a coach that would let me clean up and do stuff like that so that I could train or taekwondo. And it was a safe space. Like I had a – my family was like – like we were real poor. Um, they fought all the time, drank, stuff like that. And training, like being around Miss Lott, Kim Lott, who was my taekwondo coach, she made me look at things differently. And I think without her, I wouldn't have the understanding. I, I wouldn't have become the person that I am. Understanding like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Understanding manners the way that I understand them. And uh, I've always wanted to be a coach. And I, I tell you this, you know, because you are this to me, and I don't know if you realize it or not, but you, it's like planting seeds, and you get to watch it grow, you know, whatever. But when you see the impact that you've made around people and uh, the things like that, it's one of the best feelings in the entire world. That's why I always wanted to be a coach, so that I could help plant that seed that, some, that people will see to change their own stars. 
so that they can start working towards a person that they, they, they say they want to be. Because here's the thing. You hear people say, fake it till you make it. You've heard that, right? Uh, that's what I did. As far as I, I kept telling people who I was. And I kept saying it out loud. I kept saying, no, I'm not a liar. No, I'm not white trash. No, I'm not, I'm not like the other Barnetts. I'm not like this. I'm not that person. And I kept saying it. And then any time that it come down to me beating someone up in a parking lot or me, I would tell myself, that's not who you are. You can be better than that. You are not this person. Just because everybody's telling you you're going to be this person, you're not that person. And I kept doing it. And now, no one would believe I used to be that person because I become the person that I kept telling myself I was. I eventually grew into that person. And now people see me in a different light. The people that knew me back then, they're always going to see me as that person back then. Sure. But the people that know me now, they'll tell you that's a good dude. Give your shirt off his back. He does a lot for my kid. He does a lot for, excuse me, he does a lot for the, the community, blah, blah, blah. Because that's who I am now. And I have worked really, really hard to become that person. But the reward of paying, like putting stuff into people, like uh, spending that time with you when you needed it, showing up, spending that time with your guys and investing in them, that'll come back to you tenfold. And, and gratitude and all that stuff, man, that will come back to you 20 times over. My job is not to be the most well-known grappler in the world. I want to be, be well-known on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I want those things, but I want those things so that I can reach more people so that they can learn my jiu-jitsu and learn my mentality, my culture about jiu-jitsu. Because we're not just in here fucking people up. That's not what I'm about. I'll never be that guy. I'll be the guy that wants to see the, the little guy that really needs jiu-jitsu to watch him, like you were saying earlier, become a competitor. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to build them. You can't just throw them in there and then, then they can box. They have to learn. And that's where I'm at. That's, that's legit what we are. We're, we're you know, problem solvers. But we're just yeah. using BJJ. That's what we do. Hey, what's your problem? Okay. There you go. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Anyway, man, I appreciate you guys. I don't know how long we've been on. Uh, sorry. Hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, we've been on for an hour and 30 minutes. We usually go about anywhere from an hour to two hours. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Caleb, I know you got your DVD coming out. Uh, you got your school in Gainesville? Hinesville. It's Hinesville. <laughs> it's in Hinesville. And what's the name of it? Um, Team Callista Martial Arts. Nice. Team Callista. You guys, if y'all are near that, go check him out. Good dude, high level grappler. Uh, come here and talk to seminars at Tech. Uh, really good grappler. I enjoy him. He's been as nice and polite as he possibly cared to me. Um, man, Wyatt trained with me for years. He opened his own school over in Douglas, Georgia. It's uh, Force MMA. Is that it? Force MMA. Show um, off the merch. Yeah. Some of the guys are. Some of the guys are going to be competing. Uh, what is it? November sixteenth or October sixteenth? No, it's, it's, it's October sixteenth. Um, not only mine, but 
Clem has some as, as a guy over there fighting as well. So yeah, we, got we both got MMA. competitors on there. Um, I got um, Steve. He's going against his brother-in-law, Ramy. So that's that's gonna be a fun, interesting Ooh, matchup. Nice. Yeah, um, oh, that's battle of brothers, right? That'll be cool. <laughs> that's that's really cool stuff. And then uh, we have um, Seth. He's looking for opponent. And then uh, myself, I'm going against Q. Myself and uh, speaking. That's gonna be a fire match. Yep. I'm stoked for that. Uh, you was underneath Frank and all them, which is Q's gym. So it's battle of X. Yeah, but nights, you know, so. I, I beat the crap out of Q every time we roll. I just do whatever I want to to that little guy. <laughs> that little guy, like, you could tie my feet and my hands together and then, like, hang me from the ceiling right here. And I would still beat that guy. So you just, I'm just playing. I'm just talking <laughs> shit. Q's awesome. I love, I love Q. I love the way yeah, he rolls. Should be a stuff. really good match. Um, I'm excited to see that. So that's coming up. Uh, what day is it? October 16th? Yep. October 16th. Yep. I will be in Costa Rica with Dream Jiu-Jitsu Tours. We're going to do that thing. We're doing it again. This will be our second time. Costa Rica is so beautiful. Dude, man. I love it over there. Yeah. I went. Uh, it was two years ago. I was supposed to go last year. It's the thing that Steven's doing. He's, he's putting this together. He's doing a lot of leg work. We, uh, he just spent a bunch of money on some mats. Mm -hmm. To put over there so that when people go for the tour, we got some really nice mats. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be able to go do this uh, and, like, go spend that time with my family and learn some jiu-jitsu, teach some jiu-jitsu, do all that stuff. Sure. I'm excited about that, so I won't be able to see your match. This will be one of the first ones that I've, I'm, like, haven't been, like, sitting there waiting for the results, like, looking and, and calling. He, he calls me, hey, and we talk, and I'm like, dude, Every time, and I love it. So, I love, uh, I look, I just love it so much. Anyway, uh, we're this is Tech Talk. We're at Tech Center. If you guys are near Eastman, Georgia, come check us out. We love to have you. We love to introduce you to grappling and martial arts. If you're near Douglas, Georgia, go check out Force Martial Arts. Why he's been with us for a while. He is the man. Like you guys, the way he breaks things down and stuff is amazing. If you're anywhere near Hinesville, you mm -hmm. check out Calum. It's uh, Team Kalista. And you guys, I'm telling you guys, jiu-jitsu is growing, and it's amazing. Sure uh, before we get off here, you got anything you want to say? No, thanks for having us. Thanks for putting this tournament on. I think it's really good what you're doing, and uh, hopefully keep doing more of them. I think it'll be really good. Uh, I think the next one's already planned. It's going to be in January. We have not decided a weight class. So if you guys got like a – a weight class that you guys would recommend like you got a, a lot of guys that want to compete in or whatever sure. hit me up got anything you want to say no man i think it's good a great turnout day kids performed great i think we had a you know fun and i think it's great that us three actually got up here from you know different um different spot uh, parts of georgia and actually get up here and you know talk it out a little bit you know it's fun oh yeah and look at our guys down there rolling now as we're speaking yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're can't get enough hour. of it can they yeah, they're all up there and um, we got the cameras going behind us, guys. Um, uh, the last thing I'm going to say is I am trying to change the culture of jiu-jitsu. Fuck politics. Fuck who you mad at. Fuck this team versus this team. I don't care about it. I want to see everybody learning and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If y'all want to compete against each other, line it up. We'll, we'll run it at uh, Mid-South Classic. We'll run it here at Tech. But at the end of the day, we're all grapplers. We're all, we're mm -hmm. all people of the same kind, same breed. Same Let's, goal. Yep. So let's do it. I want to – I really do want to be able to make this sport about the little guy, not necessarily in size, but the people that are um, lack confidence, 
stuff like that. It is not just for the meatheads and meat sticks, um, th those type of people. Jiu-jitsu is about learning how to use leverage and learning how to problem solve. And I really, really am pushing hard to impact all of the cultures around. Why not talked about it the last time he was on here? The way we're changing the game and the way we're influencing jiu-jitsu is, is crazy. So um, I'm looking forward to that. The next Strange Matter Invitational is going to be in January. Uh, November, I start my Attacking the Head series seminars. I'm going all the way to Tampa, Florida. So there'll be several schools that I'll be stopping at teaching my attack in the head system. So if you guys want to get put on my calendar for me to stop by and do it, I'm doing this to grow my social media and stuff. You guys shoot me some gas money. That's it. I don't care about it. You can charge if you want. If not, I'm a brown belt under American Top Team. I'm a brown belt under 10th Planet. I've, I've received a belt under both systems. And I, this is a no-gi seminars. I'm going to be really really showcasing some high level details something that i've been doing for over 15 years and my guys do it at our tournaments and stuff and i'm super excited to share this with you i've been working on it a long time so if you want want put me on your schedule hit us up that's trevor calem and Wyatt. you guys have an amazing week peace Sorry, <laughs> Like a hell cat. <laughs>